0: MLM Nation, episode 333.
1: Give yourself time and don't ever, ever judge yourself on somebody else's success and just know it's your journey, it's not theirs.
0: If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chasch
1: where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from
0: today's top MLM income earners. Hey, MLM Nation. If you want to recruit more reps and also create duplication, I highly recommend you check out my free training. It's a webinar, my sponsoring workshop. This teaches you the seven steps to become a top recruiter and the mental tricks I did. It also talks about a six-figure close. You can use immediately to close a prospect, whether it's for a customer or for a business, it works both ways. I also talks about a lot of different strategies that I use to become a top recruiter. I recruit over 80 people a year, consistently year after year. That's actually help, help me make over a million dollars in the business. It's a free webinar. Go check it out it at sponsoringworkshop.com. Again, www.sponsoringworkshop.com. Go get your pen and paper ready. I'm sure you can get tons of value. And if you have questions, make sure you bring them onto the webinar as well. Again, sponsoringworkshop.com, and I look forward to seeing you there. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan, and let me ask you, what's your purpose and vision? My purpose in doing what I do is to have a positive impact as many lives as possible. And that's why I founded ML Nation. Now, I'm loud and proud to be in the network marketing profession because I have three beliefs. Number one, network marketing allows us to fulfill our unlimited potential. So write that down. Number two is network marketing allows us to give back more. And I want you, whatever success you have, to give back more. Number three, most important, network marketing allows us to be a better leader at home. It allows us to be better parents a better spouse, because we're always leading by example. You can take the lessons we learned from these top leaders, from myself, and apply it back to home. And our mission at ML Nation is to empower 10,000 distributors to achieve a full-time income. Now, ML Nation, you must have a clear purpose and vision, because otherwise, you'll never do the uncomfortable things that are necessary for success to happen. That's why your purpose and vision is so important. It's what's going to pull you and motivate you. And before we start today's show, make sure you check out our partner, Networking Times. If you like MLM Nation, you love Networking Times. Each issue is packed with amazing training stories just like MLM Nation. Go check it out at mlnation.net slash times. And now, I'm super fired up. Let's go to today's training. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan. I'm fired up to bring our special guest today. Kim Malia. Kim, are you ready to make it happen? I'm super ready. Before Kim Malia got started in network marketing, she was struggling working for corporate Canada and wanted something more for herself. Kim eventually got started in her MLM company, but made no money in the first nine months as her company was just opening up in Canada. Today, 18 years later, Kim has been with her company for over 18 years, has reached the highest positions in her company. The coolest part is she spends her free time teaching yoga and doing fundraising for a nonprofit called Work, Play, and Love. Uh, Work, Play, and Love, the nonprofit, has built an entire girls' orphanage and also is breaking ground on a new school for girls. So Kim, I've given ML Nation just a brief intro, but please share a little bit about your background and how you got started in network marketing.
1: Okay. Well, thanks so much, first of all, for uh, having me on the show. You guys have uh, a lot of heroes on this show and a lot of great entrepreneurs and uh, a lot of fellow uh, network marketing friends. So thank you for inviting me. And I really, really I love this format and this uh, platform for people to be able to have great information from all over um, the na- all over the countries, actually all over the world, which is exciting. So a little bit more about my background. You did a great job, but hey, listen, I, you know, um, I come from humble beginnings. Um, some of us uh, have been uh, in a families where we're split up and I've been split up in my family just a few times and. Um, and then went uh, basically graduate high school. I was the first one to graduate from high school, uh, which was pretty cool in my family. And then uh, I didn't want to go back to school, though. I didn't want to take college or anything. I really wanted to get out there and be in the workforce. And I found myself working in corporate, working for Corporate Canada. And, and frankly, I hated my life. I hated what I was doing. It only took me a few months to realize I hated what I was doing. Um, but the reality, I hated what I wasn't doing, right? I wasn't living up to my full potential. I wasn't living on purpose or with any kind of passion. I used to see people at the banks so grumpy. They had been working there five years, 10 years, 20 years. And I was like, I don't want to look like that. That's for sure. And so I I decided that I needed to change, right? And I wanted to change something in my life. And I dabbled in a little bit of modeling. So I so I uh, was blessed to be able to see how much money you could make even if you only have a high school education and and I thought to myself well hey you know if I have a great attitude and I'm willing to work why wouldn't I just go out and have my own business but the problem was (laughs) I didn't know what kind of business to open up because I had no idea what to do in my life so my mind was open I always say like a parachute so um, I I was looking for something and and thank goodness to uh, my my personal sponsors who are uh, dear friends of mine we're family members today pretty much Uh, Robin Shardley McKenzie introduced me to this industry and I'm definitely blessed, uh, 18 years later, actually it's 20 years that I've been involved in, uh, network marketing. And so, uh, it's my full time. It's my life. This is what I do for a living. This is what I've been doing, uh, besides just having a few years in corporate. So, uh, I, I, hated, I was a disgruntled employee. I hated what I was doing. I hated the commute. I hated the paycheck. I hated the people I worked with. Um, and I really honestly it was the grumpest 20, 23 year old you would have ever met. So uh, when I looked at the network marketing industry, it really, really turned me on because I just understood that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter your background that you could you could do uh, tremendous things here. And I heard so many great testimonials from that, so uh, that's uh, where it all got started.
0: So, how were you exposed to network marketing? Uh, how did Robin uh, share it with you?
1: Well, um, first of all, it was uh, they exposed me to um, a company that I really actually wasn't interested in. It was costume jewelry, and I really wasn't interested in it at all. I told them I was interested in travel and different things like that, but I didn't understand so much um, the product, I guess I didn't like the product, but I, I liked the concept of it. So he kept on me. I didn't join that company and uh, he went into a different company and I joined that company with him and, um, cause they had a travel part to it. And, uh, um, that's what really, you know, got my attention. Um, and then, um, our company got bought out to another company. And so we, you know, I really have been with one company that got by another, another company and here I am today. So it was actually, I was dating, Rob McKenzie's wife's nephew, that's how I was introduced to network marketing.
0: Dating his wife's cousin-nephew. No, his nephew. So
1: his, his wife's nephew.
0: Very cool. Um, yeah. It's like the three degrees of separation. hmm So when, when um, he bought the other the travel company, you, you saw the opportunity and you said, hey, this is better than my job, and he just went right into Yeah. It.
1: Yeah, I thought I was like, this is amazing. I could, you know, do this from home and I could get paid what I'm what I feel like feel like I was worth. And listen, I was gonna work hard for somebody anyway. So I said, well I'll work hard for myself, mm. you know, even if it was spare time, part time at first. And, and uh, Rob just knew, I mean, whatever Rob saw in me that I didn't see in myself at first, to be honest with you, he said to me, I remember that very first meeting, even though I didn't join that company, he said to me, for some reason, I have a feeling that I'm going to know you much more than i know my nephew and that this is going to be a long-term relationship and it's been 20 years now so he saw something in me that i didn't see and he kept in touch with me and he definitely was
0: one of my biggest cheerleaders so how how did it go your first couple weeks in uh network marketing
1: um it was interesting (laughs) (laughs) i was 23 years old you know brand new um I was excited, but I didn't have any business background, didn't have a lot of education background, didn't, um, you know, just didn't have a lot. So I was so green. Um, I was totally coachable, but I, I was the one that always had like a bright idea. And I would call Rob all the time like, hey, I got another great idea. How about we do it this way? How about we do it that way? So um, I, was, I, was, I was in the system, but I was also trying to like work around the system my own way that I thought was good. Um, but honestly, my first, my first uh, nine months in the industry um, with the first company, I really didn't do so well. I mean, I was a Canadian with an American company, and uh, we had a lot of uh, we had to pay a lot of money just to have our products shipped over there and stuff. And so, uh, my first year, I really didn't make a lot of money at all. And uh, but here's what I did do is I got into personal development. Um, I really feel like it was, that was sort of like my MLM degree, uh, or at least my start of it. And um, I really understood the foundation of what, you know to me, network marketing is all about, which is really bettering who you are to attract the people to you. And so uh, that's, that's how that got started. Well,
0: what were some of the mistakes you made in the first year? Because you said you didn't make much money.
1: Um, I mean, probably talk to more people and say less. I think I just I said too many things and um, maybe didn't use the tools as much as I should have um, and you know I just uh, yeah, I would say that that probably was the biggest thing is, is is maybe even try to reinvent the wheel and just and using me, my personality rather than being system dependent, being personality dependent, and uh, thinking that you know i i that not that I was better or anything, but I just didn't really understand it so I just uh, I, I could have used the tools more, more and talked to way more people a lot faster.
0: So what was the turning point? Like was it a light bulb moment where you kind of got it and then things started happening for you?
1: Um, it didn't happen really until I joined the other company that got bought out. So when I joined that company, I, um, I had a massive opportunity to help open up the country of Canada. They weren't open up in Canada yet. So um, I was 25 years old. I was excited as heck, and I was like, I don't really even know what to do here, but, you know, the opportunity to open up your own country and to open up your own province, and the city of Toronto is where I was at. Um, I just, I took a leap of faith. That's when I went right into it, said, I'm going to talk to everybody everywhere, every day, no matter what, and um, I'm going to kill this thing, you know? I was like, I I got it. I'm going to do this, and I I surrounded myself with great people and great mentors um, that I had, you know, obviously, in the nine months, I really didn't do so well. And I made a goal. Listen, I just drew the line in the sand and said, I'm going to be the top person, the top single female, you know, in this company in Canada. That was my goal. And um, that company, you know, came over and didn't open up in um, open up for nine months. So I worked for the company for free for nine months. Um, it wasn't their fault. It's just opening up a whole new country. As many of us know, it's it's a big deal. It's a lot of legalese and stuff like that. So um, I just said every day. So it was just I was I, I, I would say that I was laser focused you know, there was a, there wasn't anything that was going to uh, deter me. If you woke me up in the middle of the night, I knew exactly what my goal was. I didn't know when we were going to open, um, but I knew that this is the goal that I had and this is what it was going to be no matter what and that was it. And uh it came it came to fruition because I really had the blinders on. I said I'm just going to do
0: this no matter what. How did you keep uh so did you have a team during the 9 months? Like you, they weren't opened up, but you had like a little team going?
1: I call it my phantom organization.
0: Your phantom, <laughs> because, okay? <laughs> no, cuz I Because I you No, keep going.
1: Because you couldn't have, um, I couldn't have the true paperwork because we weren't open. So I made up my own associate, you know, my own agreements. I made up my own stuff. And and so I called it my phantom organization because I knew, like, hey, I knew the structure that I needed. And so I would sign people up. But the truth is that I'd sign people up you know, the first month and they thought I was crazy cause they come to a meeting that they'd have to pay to get in, but you couldn't make any money, you know? And then after a couple of months or a couple of weeks, weeks are like, when is this thing going to open? I'm like, trust me, it's coming, it's coming. And, and so I grew myself an organization, but every single week there was one that dropped in and one that came in, the one that dropped out, came in, dropped out, came in. So I just, um, you know, it was just literally knowing exactly what, how many people I needed to get to the top position, what I needed to do. And it was just, uh, it was it was crazy. It was a lot of fun. It was probably some of the most invigorating, fun, challenging times
0: of my career. You know, it brings back memories. Back in 2005, just uh, 2005, like 12 years ago, I was in a similar situation where our company was opening up in Malaysia, and uh, for some reason, we couldn't. The company couldn't get the direct selling license, so we had to wait for months. So I was just curious, how did you keep your phantom organization in there? Because afterwards, you're like, oh. I don't even believe Kim anymore. Did you ever get that? Yeah. Is it ever going to open Ugh. up or do you jump? Oh, there's another better opportunity. So how did you keep – because first of all, they have, no, they have no money invested, right? So how do no. you – and they're not making any money. So how do you keep them? It's, I think it's incredible leisure. What did you do to keep these people engaged and committed?
1: Well, first of all, I uh, made sure that everybody was, you know, doing as much personal development as possible so they could uh, really understand um, that this is all about being a better you. But second of all, surrounding myself with people um, that, you know, are like minded, that we're doing the same thing. And then it's culture. Right. It's all about you know, having fun and building culture and building relationships and, and listen, my brother, I've got two brothers. One was a cheerleader brother. One was my, I call him my reason why brother who made fun of me and said, you know, you move back in with mom, you're boring her car. You don't even have a car anymore. I mean, like, what do you, what do you cause I really did. I, you know, I was on my own since I was 17. Then I, all of a sudden at the age of 25, I'm back in moving in with my mom and he made fun of me and he did, you know, said a lot of things. And, and so for personally, what I did was I just, I just, again, I would, Limit some of my associations with people who didn't believe in what I was doing, or sometimes disassociate from them completely. Um, And then um, I would pick up other associations. But with my team, I mean, it was it was difficult. It was challenging because you know some of them saw and some of them didn't. So you had to just constantly create the vision. And the other thing that I did was I went to three conventions and brought people with me to those mm-hmm. conventions even though we weren't getting paid so we were we were we were investing not only our time but our money our energy everything for those 9 months and 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 when when you have that so much focus and you have, you know, a group of people that really see it that way, then you're going to you're going to get the people that are visionaries too, that that come along the way. But we would do fun things. We'd have bowling and we would have parties and barbecues and and just different things like that. Besides doing business, I'm big on culture building. I, I mean, I think that's how you build a huge organization, you know, personal development, culture building and and making people feel important and like they're part of a family.
0: So what was part of the Camellia's team's culture? What was your team like? I mean, obviously, you like to have fun, you said. What else did you do? And you got self-development, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we do a lot of th- things for charity um, besides our nonprofit that we have now. But before, you know, we would do a lot of things for charity, whether it was for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Boys and Girls Club, um, stuff like that. We would do dream build, dream board building nights. We would, um, you know, um, do 5K runs. We'd have yoga-thons, comedy nights. Um, I mean, you name it, theme parties, all sorts of different things that we did throughout, you know, throughout the 20 years of my career. But, uh, you know, just again, you know, people don't, at least I didn't have that much fun at where I worked, you know? So I wanted to make this a fun, but also productive you know, team. And so if you can have fun and also really make people feel important, whether they made, you know, one, you know, uh, recruited that one person that month or haven't done anything that month, it, it was irrelevant. You know, you treat everybody the same and you never know when that person's going to get out there and really explode and, and um, you know, put the line in the sand just like I did.
0: So what was the craziest thing you did as a team coach? Like a fun thing? The craziest thing? Well, the thing that you really remember that stood out.
1: Well, one of the really <laughs> really fun things that we did, I loved, um, is we did a theme Grease night. Oh. So everybody had to come dressed up as a Grease somebody from Grease the movie, and uh, we had the Pink Ladies and we had the T Bird guys, and they dressed up and you know had um, you know cigarettes hanging out even though they weren't lit. Um, uh, just you know, we just had a lot of fun, and we had a, a, a guy and a girl play John Travolta and Olivia Newton John, and everybody had to come not only just in the theme, but you had to act as if you were that person. So whatever person, if you were, you know, a T-Bird or your, whatever character you came as. So um, I don't know if that was much, so much crazy, but super fun. I mean, I just remember the, how, how great that was. We had a dance and, you know, just a lot of fun.
0: Very interesting. Very, very cool. Um, so, Kim, next question I want to ask you. So what, so you you kind of like walked through this nine months keeping people in there. So once it finally opened up, what happened? Yay, that was
1: so fun. It was so invigorating. I was 25 years old. And, um, I got to like tell, you know, people, I was the host of the event and we actually opened up on a Monday and then Tuesday was our regular business overview night that we did our meetings. And we said, you know what, heck, let's do it on Monday and let's do it on Tuesday. So Monday we had this big grand opening and I was blessed to, uh, hit that top position. Um, you know, when we opened and so they let me host the event, which means I got to like tell everybody like who's who and how many minutes they have. And so it was just a really cool thing to be part of and to, and to do. So that was just a real blessing. Um, but we had 800 people show up for the event. We had 400 uh, asso- like associates and we had 400 guests mm. and the same thing with the next day on the business briefing night. So in two days we had 800 guests show up now, uh, you know, and of course then all the, all the people were uh, eventually get could actually sign up those two nights. So that was a lot of fun. So it was invigorating. It was a lot of fun. Um, But those the the actual opening was so much fun. And they only they only knew uh, within, I think, five days. So within five days, that phantom organization, I had to go and collect checks. This is when the website I'm aging myself here, but the website wasn't so up and running for our company. Um, And uh, I had to literally run around town uh, Toronto, all over the place, and my mom helped me. She was, you know, a big part of uh, my success. And so we ran around town. It, it was a lot of fun collecting applications, checks, and all sorts of different things. So it was invigorating. It was
0: fun. Wow, five years prior, running around collecting checks. We have it easy now,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> so um, let's shift gears a little bit. This is actually my favorite question. Uh, what, during your like two decades of experience. What was your worst, worst, worst moment in network marketing? To a point that most people have quit, but you kept going. And that's why you're Well,
1: great question. Um, When we opened uh, with our company, there was a certain amount of services that we could deliver to our clients, our our, uh, prospects. And then um, within just a few months of us opening, where I hit this top position growing like crazy, massive momentum, uh, we hit a dead stop. Because the services that they said that we were going to be able to have the insurance commissioners came in and said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, you either take some services away, or every single person has to be full time, and they have to have an insurance." And we're like, "Heck, no, 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 no." So I literally went from having a team in massive momentum doing tons of production to a third of the production and barely, you know, hitting that top position. So uh, it took a lot of, uh, took a lot of, took a lot out of us. But at the same time, um, it, I didn't lose the vision. Um, I didn't lose the faith in it because, you know, the company is doing obviously really well. It wasn't their fault or anything like that. Um, But I did lose a team. I lost a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. that was that really sucked.
0: How do you keep that vision strong? And what do you do? Any specific routines? Obviously, personal development plays. But how do you keep that vision so strong during such a tough time?
1: Um, you know, talking to my mentors and, and just understanding that it, it's, it's the industry, you know, I mean, it's, it's called business, too. It's not even just the industries, it's called business, just the way life is, there's going to be ups and downs. And it's not a matter how many times that we get knocked down, it's how many times we get, you know, back up and how fast we can get back up. And so I didn't really, like, I didn't feel like I had any other option. Well, of course I had an option, but I didn't in my mind, because I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I saw so many of my friends, you know, having great success. And I was having, I mean, I still had good success, but um, I just, I just said to myself, this is just part of the journey. And, but it was, it was really the help for my mentors to keep on, you know, keep on believing in me, keep on, you know, pushing forward with me and, and hanging out. I mean, I'm big on associations. So just hanging out with the right people, um, who have the vision that you do and the conventions, I mean, going to big events, you know, I mean, that helps, you know, not just being around the people that are close by to you, but being around the other people like everybody. And and seeing that, you know what, it's everybody's got different challenges in their businesses, whether it's something that's happened from, like I just said, or, or you know, or the company goes out of business or whatever. I mean, everybody's got different challenges.
0: Yeah, definitely. Was there a specific event that you went to that really stood out?
1: I would say, um, I mean… I mean, of course, my first convention is always I think it always stands out your first convention because you see a bigger vision and you see people that were up on stage, honestly. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That person made that much money. And it wasn't like I'm any better, but I'm not any worse. <laughs> mm. I was like, so it really made me see that it's totally possible for somebody who, you know, doesn't have a, a big education, not a lot of business background and and um and, and whatnot. So I think it was just more just being able to see the bigger vision of it and and to see that um it, it, it is a um it's not just a small thing in your community, it's it's bigger and that you could, you know, be obviously all over North America with it.
0: What would you consider uh, your proudest moment in network marketing? Well,
1: um, I mean, achieving certain uh, income positions and continuing to, to grow and expand um, personally. Um, but I would say, you know, seeing other people do it, those are fantastic. You know, seeing other people just change their change their lives, change their legacy, change their address, change their car, all that kind of stuff. But if I had to pick one, which you're asking me, it would be the opening of our nonprofit Work, Play, Love. Mm. That would be the proudest moment that uh, um, that's happened. And just being involved in the project um, before it was our nonprofit for seven years and just being able to see the ripple effect. It's not even what we do for the kids in Guatemala and building the orphanage. It's the ripple effect of the people that have come to the orphanage, or have done fundraising and seen the ripple effect of their kids now doing charity work, going door to door, doing whatever it is to to help with their community, their churches, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm I'm huge on that. Just just sit, sitting back and almost looking from a bird's eye view, seeing how that's really impacted uh, so many different people in many ways.
0: So why don't you talk a little bit about the orphanage? The uh, work, I mean, the orphanage and also work play love. How did it get started? What's the vision behind that?
1: Okay. Well, good. Yeah. My, uh, I've got two amazing business partners, Mike and Steve, Melia. And, uh, we done, like I just said, did a lot of work for different organizations mm-hmm. and we were just kind of tired of the money, not going to directly to the kids, all the money. Now, these are great organizations, but we wanted the full money to go there, and we wanted to do something that we would really, truly see the impact that would go to kids, and so we did that. So um, Mike actually was on an airplane and saw a guy wearing a bunch of pulseras, which is bracelets, and they were, like, all the way stacked up to here, and he's like, why are you wearing so many of those? And he said, I support an orphanage in Guatemala, and he said, tell me more about it. And so he told him, and Mike stroked a check for a thousand bucks to say, okay, well, let's see what happens, and sure enough, he got pictures of all these kids with new clothes and new stuff, and... Um, and then we got on the phone with the lady who had the nonprofit that was connected to the orphanage and talked to her. And within literally within just a few months, we were on a plane to going to check it out because you can take pictures and pretend, you know, that, that you're giving that, that that the money's going somewhere. But we went and visited the boys orphanage and just became friends and family with the actual owners and uh, asked them what they wanted. They wanted a van at first, so we bought them a new van, and we got to visit them and see what the real life was like there. And then after that, um, they had land that was existing for a number of years, um, and they wanted to build a girls' orphanage, but never had the funding to do so. And so that was our project. And uh, when the economy went down, and the, you know all the stuff with the mortgages and stuff like that uh, in the last you know little while that happened, um, that's when we actually raised sixty. Um, we actually raised seventy-four thousand dollars in sixty days. Um, People were telling us you can't do it. Nobody's going to want to support something in Guatemala right now and all this kind of stuff when America's in the situation it is. And uh, we said, yeah, well, anytime we're challenged, we we take upon that challenge and say, okay, watch what we'll do. And so we the reason why the girls orphanage was because the boys and girls were now not with each other. Um, They already lost their family member, their parents. So now the girls and the boys can actually be together, uh, which is nice. And they're just right beside each other. So it really is a really cool, a cool thing to be part of.
0: Very cool. So how can the people want, uh, if you want to learn more about it, where can they go? You go to
1: workplaylove.org.
0: Okay, workplaylove.org, and we'll put that in the show notes page as well. Uh, Very, very cool. What inspires you to do that? Because it's not just about the money, to really give back. I think that's very admirable.
1: Uh, It's, um, you know, I I came from uh, humble beginnings, like I said at the very start, and what I meant by that was I came from an abusive biological father, um, and he abused my brothers and my mom and, um, I got away with it just a couple times. And so I really relate to, um, abused, abandoned, um, children. Cause I'd never uh, seen my father only once, my biological father uh, once after he, um, well, after my mom left him finally. So I really just connect with kids that have troubled past Mm. or they're troubled or they're drugs or they're abandoned, like I said. So um, I've always wanted to to, to give back in that way and just to to see, you know, if there is anything that I could do to help in any other way. Uh, whether that's, you know, obviously open up an orphanage or something like that. But just really, honestly, when it comes down to work, play, love, it's there for a reason. I, I, I named it that as because we work a little and we play a lot and we love it even more. It, what the most important thing what kids need today, at least my belief is, is they just need love. You know, it's, It's one thing to um, be there for them and and whatnot, but it's a whole different thing when you can just, uh, even if you don't speak a language, you know, Spanish, I'm not the best at it, but when you can speak a language of love and a touch, what a touch means to a kid, um, it's just so important. So that's where it resonates with me.
0: Very cool. So check that out, workplaylove.org, ML Nation, workplaylove.org. Now, let's talk about your vision. Uh, You have been in uh, this profession for almost two decades How have you seen network marketing change in the last 20 years?
1: Online, first of all, (laughs) going online. So that was just neat to see and see the evolution of all that, which is pretty darn cool. Now, of course, now going from online to Facebook to social media um, to all that um, and to really right now, I mean, I think the millennials are just kicking it. You know, a millennial movement in network marketing is happening. I think we see it through all of our organizations, which I think is super exciting And, um, I mean, it's just, it's just evolved. And I think that it doesn't have such a, um, I would say bad name, I guess you might say it. Um, I think more people are looking at it as an option for a secondary income and also definitely a primary income. I think people are, are realizing that brick and mortars are not going to be around and that things are online and that uh, it's different ways to do business. So I, I think people are more apt to want to work from home. You know, I think they see that there's no stability. Um, I think that's been a progression, but I think even more so now um, that, uh, that it's really it's really obvious out there that people are, are not happy um, in the big companies that they do if they're in the big corporate world. And that, that company may not be around if they're not playing online and doing stuff like that
0: hey ml nation have you ever been paralyzed by fear of recruiting you know you want to be successful you want to make money you need to recruit you need to talk to people you got a prospect you know it's uh and every what do you call it every no is close to you yes you have probably heard of it before right and they're not rejecting you they just reject an opportunity but still you're paralyzed by fear you're nervous if this happens to you, if you know what I'm talking about, I welcome you to attend my free webinar, 11 Brain Hacks to Help You Overcome the Fear of Prospecting. Because I used to be the same way. You know, my first two months in a business, I made zero money. The reason why I only talked to 10 people and I was so scared. It took me two and a half months to talk to 10 people. I was just scared to approach people. And then one day I had my big aha moment. I discovered some brain hacks, 11 little mental tricks I can say to yourself to help you overcome that fear. And once I overcame that fear, I was able to talk to people, at least five new people, five follow-ups, do three presentations a day. And that's my five, five, three routine. And it helped me become a top sponsor. I ended up uh, recruiting over 80 people a year for five straight years so if you're interested to help you overcome your fears so that you can make the money and grow your business go check out my webinar it's mlnation.net forward slash fear okay mlnation.net forward slash fear go check it out register and I look forward to seeing you on the training thank you uh hey you've been awesome as you ra- kind of uh finish up the show some really quick questions to pick your brain Kim. and these can be quick answers okay The first one is, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you?
1: I would say it's the slight edge philosophy. So doing the things that seem to make no difference, but the compound effect can lead to your success or your failure is something that I heard when I first got started by one of my mentors. And I've lived by that philosophy and that quote for since the beginning.
0: Very good. The, um, yeah, by Jeff Olson, the slight edge. You got it. What is one habit that's helped you become successful?
1: To be consistent. Consistent.
0: You don't have to be the, the the
1: number one salesperson, number one recruiter, but you're consistent. You just go in day in and day out. Day in and day out, you're consistent.
0: Do you uh, do you have a specific routine in terms of consistency, when you prospect, when you train? Do you have a routine? Um,
1: not really. I mean, you know, I have my way of doing things, but um, no, I don't think I necessarily have a routine, but I, I mean, I definitely – you know, I do I do my business while I'm out. I don't necessarily go out to prospect. I I go meet new friends. I go meet new friends and and um, you know, I'm a big networker so I get out into my community and network.
0: Good stuff. Hey, uh what's the best piece of advice you ever received?
1: Never quit. You know, and and realize that this is that this is a business and so it's going to take some some strength. It's going to take some challenges. It's going to take um, some blood, sweat and tears to, to, to build it. And that's okay. Cause what else, you know, what else are you going to do? So I would say to never quit.
0: What's your favorite prospecting tool? Say you have a qualified prospect. What do you send them? Do you send them an online video? Do you? Um, yeah.
1: Um, I have a couple links. I like to send them an online video about the information about your company, uh, whether it's a service or, you know, the product. Um, but then I like to send a lifestyle. I'm big on lifestyle. So I'll send them, you know, a lifestyle video, whether it's on myself or I try to mirror match the person. So I think that's a big thing is showing people not it's not always about, you know, your service or your product first. It's what they can what can they do with that? I think that's what it's all about is about the lifestyle that can create.
0: Do you have a favorite online resource or an app on your phone that you could recommend? Audible. Good sure, one. Why not? Write Audiobooks. Audible, I
1: love it. Uh, you can you know listen to books. Uh, you just go in there and listen to um, books. I like to read and listen to it at the same time. So I think Audible is probably one of the best things that you can invest in. It's not even that
0: expensive. And uh, ML Nation, uh, you can get a free audiobook with Audible at mlmnationbook.com. MLMNationBook.com, nice. you can get a free audiobook. So speaking about books, Kim, uh, what's one or two books you could recommend?
1: Okay, well, uh, The Slight Edge is really my favorite. Like if I were to say, like if there was, has to be one, uh, The Slight Edge, uh, for sure, by Jeff Olson, like you said. Um, the next one is my first book I read um, because I, did, I had a hard time believing in myself that I really could be successful. So another mentor of mine recommended a book called uh, The Magic of Believing mm. by Claude Bristol. Old one, some kind of like weird stuff in there that you're like, um, you know, it it gives you uh, things to do to help improve your, your belief in yourself. And I still do some of those today. Look in the mirror before I do a presentation and look right at my eyes and say, you know, certain things to myself and stuff like that. So that one. And then the, the, I think the mother of all of them is how to win friends and influence people.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Kim, here's the last question. The million dollar question. Are you ready? Yeah. So imagine you had to start all over again and you knew no one, but you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. So contact list of zero. You're kind of like an alien that went to another planet. Uh, (laughs) What's the first thing you do or the first place you go to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch?
1: I would go to networking events. I would go to chamber events, go to meetups. Pretty simple because I've moved around to different provinces and states. That's exactly what I do. I go in meetups, look for different um, networking groups that I can go to, uh, and then get out there and just meet business people, meet like-minded people. But the reality is just go out there and make some new friends.
0: Awesome. Hey, you've been amazing, Kim. Thank you so much. As we wrap up, any last words of advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect with you?
1: Um, last piece of advice is, Hey guys, listen, this is a great journey. It's not a destination. It's a journey. So enjoy the ride. Uh, When there are challenging times that come up, it's okay. Just know that it's normal. Uh, And just, uh, you know, give yourself time and don't ever, ever judge yourself on somebody else's success. Uh, like maybe you're not having as much or you're not building a, you know, a of a team or whatever it is. Uh, never judge yourself on somebody else and just know it's your journey. It's not theirs. Everybody has their, their background, where they came from and, and, and whatnot that can make a difference. And then for people to get hold of me, then go to kimmelia.com, um, or workplaylove.org to get hold of me. That's pretty simple right there. Or Facebook.
0: Awesome. Hey, ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you may hang out with Kim Malia. So keep up the momentum and go to mlnation.net and just type in Kim, K-I-M, at the search bar and the show notes and Kim's contact info. And also, workplaylove.org will be right there. Definitely check those out. In order to be successful in network marketing, uh, you must help others. So, Kim, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you so much again, Kim, and God bless you.
1: All right. Thank you. Awesome. Really privileged. Thanks.
0: Hey, ML Nation. How would you like to track an endless supply of leads using Facebook, especially with Facebook Live? I'm sure you know Facebook Live is a rage right now. You've been on them. You've probably seen one of our Facebook Lives. And you know, top leaders, a lot of my good friends in the profession right now are crushing it. They're like the top income earners, top recruiters. Where do you get these people? From Facebook Live. And even at ML Nation, I'm sure you've seen one of our Facebook Lives. We get anywhere from like 60 to 70 so to sometimes 90 to 100 leads a day using our five-stage Facebook Live system. And on I'm doing a free training right now on this webinar. We're going to go to the five stages and what to do because Facebook Live is not just turning on the camera and just saying a few things. There's actually a list of things you need to do and not to do and how to really be efficient and productive with this. And When I taught the five-stage Facebook Live system to one of my coaching clients, she immediately, even though she never really did Live before, started getting 20 to 30 leads a day to grow her business. So Imagine you had 20 to 30 leads a day. What would happen? What would happen to your business? What would happen to your income, Right. So, check out this training. You can just go to mlnation.net forward slash live, L I V E. Okay, mlnation.net forward slash live, where you can learn the five stage Facebook live system so that you can attract an endless supply of leads. Go register right now, mlnation.net forward slash live, and I look forward to seeing you at the free training. ML Nation is Simon Chan, a recap review from a great show from Kim Malia. Connect with her, just search for our Kim at mlnation.net, Kim, K-I-M, and all the show notes and nuggets will be right there. You know, one of the big things I love about the show is talk about leadership, how to keep a team engaged in the business, right? And uh, you think you got it hard? Gosh, she had it hard. Nine months before the company even opened up in her country in Canada, uh, they couldn't take any money. They made no money, couldn't take money, and the team stepped, uh, kept in there. And of course, she talked about you know people will join and people quit one people join one people quit but here are the keys to retention okay number one personal development. Get your people into a personal development program. Number two, just surround yourself with top people because you really need to be mentally tough during that time, especially when the company's not opening up. It's, oh, we, all, we will open up, we will, but not opening up, right? You got to surround yourself with top people who are motivating. Number three, it's like constantly create your vision. Have that vision solid because ultimately, People buying your vision. How crazy convicted you are about the vision, that's what people are buying because they actually don't see the results yet. And you have actually also have no results to show. So it's all about your convicted vision, how passionate you're about it, that's going to keep people in the business. Um, the next one is getting team to events, getting team to conventions. Why? Because, again, you see the big picture at the events, right? You see the big vision. And the last thing most important, I think a lot of people avoid, uh, forget about this, Kim talked about, talked about this a lot, is culture the culture, it has to be fun, you know, they do uh, business meetings, besides from that, that's like everyone else does that, but also like charities, right, dream boarding events, uh, they go to a comedy night, they do theme parties, and she talked about an example where they did Greece, now, based on the movie Greece. everyone had to dress a certain character, they had to act out that character, so keep it fun and make people feel important, I'm going to repeat that again, keep it fun and make people feel important, that's what's going to uh, get people in the business. And, of course, when, once the company finally opened up, and by the way, if you think you got a tough, she have five days to run around town to collect checks, okay? And you're talking about lots of people. You bit a whole team up there. Uh, and people didn't know the company was going to open up. But all of a sudden, they had to come up with the money to join. So that is really leadership. You know, a lot of times we have it easy. Now, one of the things that helped Kim, even though she didn't make much money in the beginning, was staying laser focused, super, super focused on a business, Uh, even though she didn't have much success at the beginning, right? Um, But she knew before this, she hated what she was doing, and she hated what she was not doing. There's so much other things in life she wanted to do, but she couldn't do, so she had to make this work. And the mistake she was, Two things she talked about three things actually was number one she talked too much she number two is she didn 't use enough tools right so she was selling instead instead of using tools she was, she would be, was like the salesperson instead of using a presentation and the third thing was trying to reinvent the wheel she had a lot of ideas she wanted to do the business this way that way, but instead be coachable, follow the system. Uh, I just also find it so inspiring someone who's it, you know, now giving back to, you know, girls, to children, work, play, love. Uh, very inspiring stuff. You know, do creating an orphanage. You can, and you can check that out. Go to workplaylove.org. There's more lessons from Kim, like how she lost, you know, a t- her team, right? Because her company didn't have services. Not her fault, but the key to retention was really goes back to the vision. Selling the vision, the face, never lose face, in you know, vision, because ultimately that is what people are buying, right? And know that it's not how many how many how many times you got knocked down but how many times you get knocked down and get back up and you have to enjoy the journey that's part of the journey you will get knocked down you will and you know when you get knocked down that's when you learn the most so be happy you're learning and growing and you know another way to keep the faith going keep a focus for you to be that leader that people want to join is the events right always attend events attend events uh, and when you see other people she's talking about she's all sort of other people like quote unquote normal people make the money she's like if they can do it, I can do it as well. A couple other things I talked about uh, was you picked her brain, at the slight edge, doing the small things that doesn't seem to make a difference, but in the long run makes a huge difference. The small, the small things, the slight edge, being consistent every day, and um, just meeting new friends. Not thinking about meeting your prospects, but going out in the community. You know, Kim's actually moved a few times in different parts of the country, but every time she's moved, you know, she goes to the community, helps out, provides value. She goes to business groups, networks, and uh, Meet, you know, and that is how you meet friends. Meet friends, build trust, get them to like you, and then they become your best prospects. So great show. Definitely connect with Kim Malia. Go to mlnation.net. Just search for Kim, K-I-M. And ML Nation, if you like these Please take one or two minutes and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Uh, they mean a lot, not just to us, but to the entire MM community. Show them how powerful and passionate we are, how cool we are. So please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And uh, thank you for listening. You know, I'm loud and proud of this business, this profession. Thanks again to Kim, Malia. My name is Simon Chan. I'm out of here. Now it's your turn to be consistent and make it happen. Do the small things, Buddha a culture and team. And never forget, remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all.
1: Thank you so much
0: for joining us today on MLM Nation.